Hey y'all, this is Anaya back at you live for a new episode of the Hip Hop Activism Podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about oppression. Now, I know what you're thinking, Anaya, we're tired of talking about it. We spent our whole summers talking about it. Like, can we just can we just forget about it? No, you can't forget about oppression. We're still living under it. And you know what, today, I won't even be talking directly about physical oppression. I'm going to be talking more so about mental oppression and how it's manifested itself throughout the centuries that African-Americans have been in this country. So let's dive in. The word oppression holds many meanings, but the one that we're going to be using today, found in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is defined as a sense of being weighed down in body or mind. Let the last part sink in, body or mind. The oppression that Black people have faced in America would not have been possible without the mental aspect of it. And today we're going to focus on some major parts of African-American history, slavery, the modern civil rights movement, and police brutality. So let's take it back to 1619. Slavery was made possible, yes, with the capture of Africans, with the beating, the raping, the murdering, but it was also made possible with the implementation of the white man's Christianity. From these white men and women, we were taught that we were inferior and that we needed white people to save us from ourselves because us savage primitives did not know any better. We were force-fed a picture of a white man with blue eyes and long shiny hair and were told that he was our savior. These points may sound, I don't know, overused, they may sound, you know, illegitimate, but let me explain to you why this is so damaging. As a Christian, you are taught to submit to God and his will. You are taught to be peaceful and to love your neighbors, right? If you are taught that the white man is God and you are taught to believe that you must submit to this white man in front of you because he is closer to God and his image than you, you are slowly starting to believe that you are less than and that you need this man to save you. You are starting to believe that in order to survive, you must take the hazing, the brutality, and the abuse from this man because you're supposed to remain peaceful in hopes that one day this white God will repay you and let you into his kingdom. It's almost laughable in a morbid way. Here we, are, here we were, kings and queens, royalty, prospering in Africa. Then we were snatched away and mentally knocked off of our podium. These lessons of peace and submission that are found, that are found in the Bible were hijacked in order to serve slave masters. And I know what you may be thinking, oh my gosh, she's attacking my religion. She's an atheist, blah, blah. No, that's untrue. I'm not attacking anybody's religion. I'm attacking the way that these sacred texts were used to ensure the captivity of my people. Now let's go to the next point. So we're going, to jump, we're going to jump ahead about 335 years to the modern civil rights movement. Now, before I start this segment, again, I'm in no way disrespecting, disregarding, or diluting the work that all the civil rights leaders and activists put forth into assuring the rights and privileges that I get to reap today. With that being said, let's study the difference between three major civil rights leaders and groups, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X and the Black Panthers. Now, we were all taught in our first grade history class that Dr. King was peaceful, was nonviolent, used peaceful protesting, and taught us that we must love one another, right? That sounds great, right? But to me, that sounds like the exact same things that we're learning from our slave masters. To me, taking the hoses and the dogs and the lynchings and reacting nonviolently is the same things that we were taught to do during slavery. Now, even Dr. King knew better. He said towards the end of his life that he had brought his people into a burning house, that house being integration. He feared that the country was not ready to respond to the plight of the underserved in this country. He wasn't wrong. These issues were ignored and have been ignored. Now, if you were to turn 
to leaders such as Malcolm X and the Black Panthers. They advocated for liberation and self-dependence amongst Black Americans. Malcolm X and the Panthers urged Black people to invest in their own communities and to use their current knowledge to arm themselves with resources to mentally beat the oppressor because what any oppressor fears is that whoever they're oppressing will gain knowledge that they could use to their advantage. Out of the fear, out of that fear, the U.S. made sure that the Black Panthers imploded through the Cointelpro operation and that Malcolm X was also killed. He wasn't killed by the government, but he was killed by other people. And this helped them, and this helped the U.S. Um, government because they did not have to worry about the Black Messiah leading his people out of oppression. And after these, after these leaders who self, who preached liberation and self-dependence were gone, we subconsciously fell back into the cycle of feeling that like we're free, but knowing that we're not. The difference between Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, and Dr. King wasn't only their methods of gaining freedom, but what they thought freedom meant. Dr. King felt that liberation would be felt through integration. Malcolm X and the Black Panthers believed that liberation was a mental thing. And liberation also meant depending on each other and building our own communities. Now let's jump ahead to police brutality. Because if you think about it, police brutality and mass incarceration are just evolutions of Jim Crow. And just to be clear, police brutality has always been around. Back to 1992, we watched the beating of Rodney King by four police officers on tape. So this has always been an issue, but now we have social media on our side. I know what you're thinking right now. Now that we have social media, everything's good. They're, they're, they're going to be able to clearly see the evidence. They're going to have eyewitnesses. They're going to have different video angles. And they should be able to prosecute easier, right? You're wrong. We have seen countless times that no matter what evidence you have, your case still might not make it. This summer, we watched a man be choked for 8 minutes and 42 seconds. And his killers went practically untouched. We heard about Brianna Taylor, who was sleeping in her own apartment and got shot to death by police officers, and her killers only got charged for the bullets that were missed. This message that they're sending to Black people is the same message that was sent in slavery. That your life does not matter. It doesn't matter how nonviolent you are. It doesn't matter what you do. You are still beneath me. And, I, if, and if I feel threatened by you, I'm still going to kill you. And you may think that that's a stretch, and you may think that I'm being dramatic, but I promise you I'm not. Me personally, as a black woman, it is mentally draining and mentally oppressive to watch my brothers and sisters be killed right before me. And what that does is that that instills fear within black people. That instills, you know, us questioning our value as people. And, um, you know, when you're watching Tamir Rice, who was 12 years old, be shot and shot and killed in two seconds over playing with a toy with a toy gun. What does that do? What does that do to little kids who want to go outside and play with their friends? They're going to be scared to go because they're going to be thinking, am I going to be shot by a police officer? Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Police officers are meant to protect us. They're not meant to be judge, jury, and executioner. And that's where the, the divide comes. And um. As you get older, as a black person, when you get older, when you start going out, when you start driving, whatever, your parents are going to have to talk. And I'm not talking about the birds and the bees. I'm talking about the talk to deal with police officers. They're going to tell you to keep your hands visible. They're going to tell you to not make any sudden movements. They're going to tell you to comply and say yes, sir, no, sir. They're going to tell you to do anything that you need to do in order to get home because that's all that, that matters. Survival. 
that mentality is not living. We should not be living just in order to survive. That is clear evidence of somebody being oppressed. That is the difference between being free and being oppressed. I can promise you, white kids do not have to go through that same speech. They do not, they do not have to sit there and question their worth as a human being. They don't have to sit there and wonder, am I going to come back home today? If I get pulled over for a minor traffic stop, am I going to be the next stage of land? And, you know, that's, I mean, that's oppression in a nutshell. There's so many other minor points that I didn't get to, but that is mental oppression. You're striking fear within people. You're striking fear and you're striking the feeling of being less than. And it's only made worse because we're not aware of who we are as a people. We don't know our history. We don't know our lineage. So now we're lost at sea. Now we have no real connection to Africa and we have nothing here to grasp onto. And you know, I don't have any solution. I don't have the solution to this problem. The one thing that I can say though, is that I advocate for education. I advocate for self for self-investment. I think it's important that black people research about themselves, that they, you know, read books about life before slavery, because we weren't just slaves. We were kings and queens. I advocate for black people um, learning about mass incarceration and how they could use those facts to help them in the future. I think in order to escape this state of oppression, you have to be aware and you have to not be afraid because the easiest way to keep somebody oppressed is to keep them ignorant and in fear. So once we break free from that ignorance, we'll be able to do anything that we want to do in order to achieve our goal of equity in the United States and equality. Thank you.